You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. You know, the, I think the really sad thing for Morgan Freeman is that uh, answering machines, like not well, everybody has it. Yeah, not everybody has an outgoing. I mean, you have an outgoing message on your phone, but it's not really the same as like when that shit was. Public. Oh, what? When he used to have an outgoing message? Is that what you're saying? I'm saying that that if he if he had never <laughs> made his bones in the movies. Or uh, during that fantastic stint with Electric Company in the seventies, he could have just rented himself out. To he people. Could, no, no, he, he could have just, just made tapes. Yeah. He could like, just hoard himself out as a as a you know answering machine. Outgoing, I'm glad you called. Yeah, but we're right. not yeah. home. Yeah, well, Something great. like that. That sounds that sounds like a great. You know what? You you probably could do some sort of novelty like. Back sales kind of thing. No, I do like novelty I, back sales. I, no, no, no. Like <laughs> I don't selling know. backs. <laughs> Here we go again. <laughs> but only novelty backs. The trick backs. No, 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 no. Novelty. Like if you're looking back, like looking back. I don't know. I don't know okay. what I'm saying. Oh sure. What I do know is that we're sitting in the dark, only lighted by um, three electronic devices and a television screen, and um, it's sort of. It, it sort of feels like it's going to be like a, like a horror movie, like well, one of these. It's, it's oh, yeah. like ambient, but spooky ambient. Yes. Yeah, usually we have a little bit of mood lighting, and uh, right now it's just bad mood lighting. Yeah, it's a different kind of mood lighting. Isn't that yeah. a CCR song? Isn't that Probably. a <laughs> yeah. isn't, wasn't that a show with Civil Shepherd and Bruce Willis in the 80s? That was, though. The Will They, Won't They? Show yeah. not mood, mood lighting. lighting, not <laughs> moonlighting. <laughs> mood lighting. That yeah, Bruce Willis and Civil Shepherd. I don't. All right, I'm Shane. Ryan, I'm Kevin, and I guess I'm Mark. Somebody likes it. Well, yeah. No, I mean it's it's technically music news. It's just wacky music news. Um, uh, Quincy Jones called the Beatles uh, "no playing motherfuckers" in an uh, uninhibited new interview uh, on AV Club, and it's it is it is chock full of goodness. Uh, yeah, that's not even like the most shocking thing in no. the article. Uh-uh. The the headline is Quincy Jones: The Beatles were quote the worst musicians in the world. Yeah. And that goes on from there with such uh, fun little anecdotes. As Jones, a self-proclaimed quote-unquote dog, went out to dinner with Ivanka Trump about 10 years ago, an event he describes as a quote-unquote date, <laughs> whether she thought as much as unclear. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I just read a, like a Quincy Jones looks back retrospective, I think in Esquire or GQ a couple of weeks ago. He's 84, and he's just he doesn't give a shit anymore. Uh Here's another bullet point. Bono is cool and lets Jones stay at his castle when he is in Ireland, but U2 sucks now. And I can't, I can't really fault him for that one. No. But the one that really stuck out for me... Was the Beatles suck with the well, shittiest musicians? Even, no. Even more than that, Marlon Brando and Richard Pryor had sex. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, he says that, too. And he also says that he knows who killed Kennedy. He also says he knows who killed Kennedy <laughs> yeah. and it was the Chicago just, mob. Just not holding back on any front. But, yeah. Right. When you get to the Marlon Brando, Richard Pryor part of it, um, that's the point where you're just like, 
Quincy, honey, buddy, so this you is doing the, all right? Yeah, this is the pull quote that they gave. They gave him like a a full um, a full paragraph. They were no of the Beatles. They were no playing motherfuckers. Paul was the worst bass player I ever heard, and Ringo. Don't even talk about it. I remember once we were in the studio with George Martin, and Ringo had taken three hours for a four-bar thing he was trying to fix on a song. He couldn't get it. We said, mate, why don't you get some lager and lime, some shepherd's pie, and take an hour and a half and relax a little bit? So he did, and we called Ronnie Varell a jazz drummer. Ronnie, Ronnie came in and for 15 minutes and tore it up. Ringo comes back and says, George, can you play it back for me one more time? So George did, and Ringo says, that didn't sound so bad. And I said, yeah, motherfucker, because it ain't you. Great guy, though. <laughs> yeah no it's it is full on you know i mean the thing is is like you get to a certain age right and and there is like i think most people seem to be in agreement that it's like when you get to a certain like certain stage as a senior citizen you can just say whatever crazy thing pops into your head at any time but it's not always a public interview that goes on well also the i mean the self aggrand if you're self-aggrandizing in your i mean and your Quincy Jones, is it self-aggrandizement in the way that it is with normal people? I mean, look at the life that motherfucker well, has no, lived. He, he has the goods. Like, he, he did it. But um, at the same time, like, stop. Like, that's when you, that's when, where the 84-year-old comes out. When it, you know, they just the shit just comes out of old people's mouths. Well, it just reminds me of uh, the one time I've been to a Seder, like a Passover Seder. It was uh, my girlfriend's best friend was Jewish, and so I got invited along to this thing. And her grandfather, who was probably in his late 80s, Sitting at the head of the table, and he just fart and just smile, <laughs> like not even really acknowledge it. Just didn't really care. I, I think that's kind of similar to what he just said there about the Beatles. <laughs> like a well, fart. I mean, let's be honest. Like at that at that stage of your life, that's kind of what your life is. Yeah, like, it's just a well, fart. You know, like he, he didn't says, seem bothered. He said like about to conceal it. it. He doesn't care. Like at this no. point, if you go back and you read the article that I read, he's talking about like how he's still a horn dog at eighty four years old, and the person's like, "Do you think your, you know, sexual desire will ever die down a little?" He goes, "No, no, never." Who are you talking about? Not me. <clears throat> yeah. Well, twenty eight Grammy awards and co produced Michael Jackson's best selling records. Yeah, and yeah. co wrote. I would say on those, even though you know, like it's. Co-production. I mean, he did, he did say some really interesting things in that in that interview, but some of it you're just like, what is coming out of your mouth? Oh, and by the way, apparently, uh, based on what the interviewer of, I think it was Esquire, uh, that that person said that his favorite word um, is motherfucker. So every other word, you well, know. The, the last uh, sentence of the article is. Quote, rock ain't nothing but a white version of Rhythm and Blues, motherfucker. Yeah, he likes motherfucker, which is great, which is a great word. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, he uh, it's a it's a special treat. So if you get a chance, the original interview was in Vulture magazine and it is a yeah, the summation is in AV Club. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a it's a special walk down. uh, Yeah. Dropping bomb after Look, bomb lane. The dude deserves props, you know, like, period, like, beyond belief. Like, but at the same time, it, you got to admit, like, that's just a little bit odd. So, you know who doesn't deserve props? Genesis circa I was going to say, Mark, Mark. Mark for bringing us this. Well, the funny thing was, it's like, so, okay, last week, welcome back, Shane, by the way. Last week, uh, we covered the. Josh Rouse record, 1972. In it, 
uh, he, it was like kind of an homage to songs that were popular the year of his birth. And then Mark says, pipes up at the end of the show, and we, we said, hey, why don't you do next week? And he says, well, I'm going to pick a record that actually came out in 1972, and then it was this. Yeah, that's very different. I, you know, by the way, I was going to say this. Um, that was – that Josh – it was good that I wasn't here because that, that record was my soundtrack for – a four-month tour I did a couple of years ago. I was extremely familiar with it inside and out, so oh, it kind of worked yeah. out well that I was. I, I dug it. I was I was bummed you weren't here to talk about it. Yeah, no, it I loved well. it a lot. That that one and the one before Derek and I, those were that was our jams. But um, right on. so yeah, Genesis, Mark. What's so, this record uh, called, Mark? Foxtrot. Foxtrot. This is Foxtrot. This is uh, Genesis' fourth studio LP. Uh, came out in 1972, as Kevin mentioned. Yeah. Um, uh, a collection of, of six lovely songs. Mm. Uh, six lovely of, songs, but how long is the album? Fifty minutes. Fifty there. minutes long. Yeah, yeah that's well, like, like I was like you know, racing against the clock to finish the thing, and uh, I, I look at my Spotify. I'm like, oh, I'm on the last song. Well, guess what, pal? The last <laughs> song is 23 minutes and five <laughs> seconds 23 long. 23 minutes long. It's a, it's <clears throat> a seven movements, 23 minutes. The, the, in my house, if something has seven movements in the last twenty three minutes, I'm lighting a match. Oh, no, or, or you're calling okay. you're calling a doctor who like could take about to take a kid into the hospital. That's right. Yeah, um, I I'll tell you what it made me think of was like years ago um, doing college radio. That yeah, it, back in those days, it was like if you if anybody was like doing a doing a shift at the college radio station. <laughs> And they didn't. They were doing it. It was like a if it was a classic rock because the format was all over the road. Like, but if it was a classic rock section, and somebody wanted to put on a record, but didn't really want to attend to what they were doing, they would always like Inagata Devita was the go to like nineteen minute. Like you could put that on, or something. Or they could have put this one on and had a couple more. Exactly. If they want to like make out with their girlfriend, like it snuck up in there. Do half a pack of smokes or whatever. Like, so twenty three minutes. Like, not screwing around. Well, maybe. There's a lot of screwing <laughs> yeah. around on this record. Yeah. There's a lot of screwing around so, on this record. So I want to say I might have a little bit different response to this record than you guys are going to assume. Um, and that is, I, I didn't hate this record. There's one song on it that I actually like. Is it Timetable, the second one? No. Because that one um, I really liked. So It's, you, it's Horizons. I think uh, that, I think even, that one I kind of like. Even though I kind of like that, it does sound like it should be played during a slideshow at a funeral. Yeah, well, I I like timetable the second song, even though it sounds. Oh, there might be one of two things, um, like contrasting that with the the fucking horrific nonsense of the first song on the record, but also it has a lot of talking about like. Like Sir Lancelot and chivalry. Oh, yeah. the last couple of days in my car, it's been a fucking rent fair. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I, had the, I had a similar note in, in my notes that it seems like they, they were just uh, doing a lot of minstrel music. This, yeah, yeah. It's this basically is what Gary Gygax was listening to in Wisconsin when he was dreaming up the rules to fucking Dungeons and Dragons. I swear to God. By like, the way, I love these, that you know the name of that guy. This shit is yeah. the is the is the fairies and elves that Bill Hicks used to talk about. Like this is that kooky. Early seventies, well, like, no, that, that British Island stuff. Yeah, like, but 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 it's that stuff combined with like, but it's like there's okay. So this is the thing I was gonna say. I didn't I didn't hate this record more than I'm. It like if I were like playing a kazoo in my dog's face, like how that dog would be like, what is what 
is happening here. That's kind of what I felt like for most well, of this record. You know, you guys I was just confused by it. That's that's a fair response. That, that is fair. Um, you know, you guys know that I like to say a positive thing or two about everything if I can. A what thing or two? A positive thing or two. Get that if out of the way sure. if I can. Um, so, you know, uh, these guys know how to play their instruments. They, they're, they're hitting notes. Um, I can't necessarily tell if they're the right notes or not. Cause, like, <laughs> whatever. But um, also, this record doesn't suck as bad as Styx, uh, which it a little bit reminded me of, like Styx being like an 80s oh, the, bloated the prog. Mr. Obato Mr. Yeah. yeah. Uh, was Kilroy. Kilroy was here. here. Yeah. No, it did not suck as bad as that. So <clears throat> one thing that this album reminded me of is something that gets easily glossed over because of his later career. Uh, Phil Collins is really talented drummer. He is, yeah, I, you know. Really, really, I will say good. this: after that first song, I hated his drumming on that first song. But I think that's really, because, I loved the drumming. Yeah, I could song. see you saying that. Well, I, I just, I didn't, I didn't like. It, I think it was more that I didn't like the time, the shifting time signatures. You're not a big fan of nine eight. I yeah, yeah. not necessarily. It's, it's really busy. <laughs> Um, but I will say when that when that first song came on, I was like, "Oh, they let Phil Collins sing a song." They're like, "No, he just sounds a lot like Peter Gabriel." No, no, no he was he was singing on that too. Was he? he was singing on that record. Well, a lot a lot of this uh, <coughs> Peter they Gabriel, do sound like, a lot alike. They sound a lot alike. Like, uh, well, I think Peter Gabriel. Or, uh, I'm pretty sure he sang on this record. Phil, Phil Collins era Genesis sounds a lot like. Uh, early, early, early Genesis, or early Phil Collins Genesis stuff does, and that's because Phil Collins had to step in and, and you know I, right. I could I could Peter be Gabriel wrong about that because I know like for most of this record it was it was uh, Peter Gabriel, but I thought there were at least one or two songs that Phil Collins sang I think on, they but they just kind of sound alike. Yeah, so no, 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 they I definitely know, sound alike. It's all and Peter um, Gabriel. What's that? As far as I know, this is all. It Peter was. Gabriel I thought there was one or two songs that were Phil Collins, but I mean like. He I did. will say this: this record made me long for the halcyon days of uh, Phil Collins era Genesis. Oh, we're we're, we're 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 we'll have a long discussion about that in a second. Yeah. But, but but since we're here right now, why don't we why don't we hear a, a little bit of one of these? Mark, Mark, can we play just you know seventeen, eighteen minutes of <laughs> yeah, we'll yeah. Just, so versions. Yeah. So normally we'd get we'd give you like. 60 seconds, 30, 30 to 60 seconds, but I mean, like, if it's going to be, like, comparative. Sure. Um, yeah, you're all going to want to get a soda eight, and sit down. nine minutes. <laughs> so, normally we'll play three cuts in, in a normal episode of this podcast, right? So, uh, rather than three individual cuts, I thought maybe, hey, we could just play three cuts off that one song. No, seriously. You'd still only get, like, a, a small sampling of <laughs> right. what's going on there. You'd like, a, less than half of <laughs> that, the movement. That's, that's such <laughs> a fucking great idea. Do you really <laughs> want to do that? Well, um, I do actually want to play two cuts off off of that, uh, unless unless there's objections. I mean, no, no, no. I, I think I think that's a I think that's a great idea, but it's it's so funny, like what a, because that there you know how many movements seven movements yeah and they all really sound a lot different. Well, um, I mean, I was tempted to, to start us off with with Watcher of the Skies, which was the the first single from this album. Uh, but then, Shane, you've kind of maybe swayed me a little bit, uh, saying that you like Timetable. So I did. I like that. I, I, I did like that song. Yeah, why don't we listen to Timetable then? A carved oak table tells a tale of times when kings and queens saved wine from goblets of gold. And the brave would lead their ladies from out the road. 
I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not my f- most favorite song in the world, but there are interesting, pretty, that like things that I like about '70s soft rock in corridor wise and stuff like that in that song. I think it's a pretty song, and it's also it's a song. Like, there's most of this album. Okay, it, they're I'll not songs. It is, it is a song. Um, whereas my chief complaint about a lot of this record is like. They'll just take one little musical idea for like five bars and then completely change it up and play something. Right, right. I, I like the five disjointed. bar thing because yeah, I'm just like ah, oh, it feels like you're watching like a like a really fast cut like science fiction movie right now. Like, what is going? I don't know, like a Transformers movie or yeah, something like, like every now and then. Uh, like I would latch on to a little something they're doing, and sure enough, they'd yank the rug out from under me and <laughs> just start doing something completely fucking different. But not in that song. You are right; that is an actual. I song. just think the melody's pretty. Like I think the lyrics are nonsensical, and you know, kings and queens, kings and queens, and lancelots, and you know, serfs and whatever have you from that period of time. I didn't say serfs, but yeah, unless it's like, hey, let's go surfing because Queen. it is. It is pretty much. It's kind of like the Beach Boys, I guess. Well, you know, Sur- that, surfs that, up that, now. That sounds better than surfing Santa, which we talked nah, about. But, sur- but wow. surf, and I don't know that it that it is better than surfing Santa in Surf a certain Santa way. Santa might be can, more entertaining. Can you imagine if, like, you were going down, like, to hit the waves, like in 1972, like, go running down there, and some dude's like, check out my new surf music, and it's like, like harpsichord. You don't know, right? It's pretty. Pretty amazing, yeah. Yeah, I don't think they were playing to surfers in 1972. No, they were playing to Gary Gygax writing the rules for Dungeons and Dragons, sitting in Wisconsin. Like, so did you guys read the the Wikipedia about the making of this record? Yes, they kept losing yeah. producers. You know, because they were arguing about what what is a good song, and like, you got me, dude. Like, well, I mean, well, if that's the, the best you could come up with, some of the reactions from band members too, you know, weren't entirely positive about. The way that this album was put together, um, you know, just just the feeling like certain songs were rushed or uh, no pun intended uh, yeah. with well, the word rush. Well, mm-hmm. I hear you, a prog joke, but uh, <laughs> but but also well, that, that prog oh, yeah. we, did, we didn't talk about rush. We didn't last talk about week. that they finally broke up. Yeah. Like it's out of anyway, sheer exhaustion. Yeah, yeah, they did rushed it. Uh huh. So the, yeah, so the deal is. That at least at one point during the recording of this record, there was a track actually being laid down, like the chorus was being laid down or whatnot. No, it was, there was, it was the middle of a, of a track, and Peter Gabriel was writing another so- part of the song while the first part of the song was happening. Like there was, like that's how rushed some of it actually was, according to those who were there. Well, and it, I guess it only took them like a like a month or so, which it, it was kind of reminded me a little of that, like kind of. Steely Dan, like, pursuit of perfection in the studio kind of situation. And they would take forever. Um, yeah, but it doesn't seem precise to me, anyway. I think they recorded this in, like, August of 72, and it was out by, like, November. Yeah. Uh, which is quick. That's about how long it takes to listen to it. No shit, man. <laughs> <clears throat> well, some of the songs, certainly. 
Um, so what do you guys think? Do you want to dig into this this opus of Supper's, Supper's Ready? Ready? Yeah, uh, I have a theory on Supper's Ready, by the way. Oh, do you? Yeah, my theory is is that if you start the song at the beginning, you can go make dinner, and by the time the song is over, over, yeah, your dinner's you're ready. ready to eat. Yeah, sure. Well, and I was also going to maybe get into the, the, uh, the difference between uh, dinner and supper in England, because supper is actually something that you have after dinner. Oh, well, yeah, well, let's, let's break be... that down. Yeah. <laughs> well, I will say this, that um, I didn't realize it was seven different movements, and I kept thinking the album was over, and I'd go look at my phone, and I'm like, shit, that song's only halfway done. Um, so I just want to read a little bit about the guy that I saw his his quote when he said that it's the, it, like suffers ready is the undisputed masterpiece. You mentioned of, that when you got here, and and I dispute it. Yes, as do I. So so the per, whoever wrote or has or whoever had like whatever people have written their um, their Wikipedia page. Never seen people get more into details. Unsurprisingly, it's a little bit like Wikipedia well editing wars. Yeah, well, there. again, I mean, people that listen to prog rock like this are into details, not you know, feel as it were. So, uh, it, so here's a couple of things. In his review for Sounds magazine, Jerry Gilbert thought Genesis quote almost achieved the perfect album quote. Okay. Man, I bet Quincy Jones would have had a field day with this sucker. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, uh, here's another one that I actually I actually feel um, he kind of hit the nail on the head. Rich Aragood in the Philadelphia Daily News read, quote, Genesis still has trouble putting songs together. That's all I need to hear about that one. Um, accurate. But the guy that wrote that, um, getting back to this, the guy that wrote the uh, that you know undisputed classic line – he rates um, this guy, Stephen Thomas Erlewine, in his review for All Music, rates the album five stars out of five. No. He considers Foxtrot being the first time that Genesis attacked like a rock band, playing with visceral power. They consider this a positive change, considering commenting that Genesis has grown muscle without abandoning the whimsy and concluding this is the rare art rock album that excels at both the art and the rock. Do you think that there's anybody in England, anybody that just went, what the hell is going on? There are a whole bunch of these bands. None of them sound like they're ever getting to the point. Well, like, and and to touch on that, actually, this was not a big album for it was like a in, in England. It, it record. just it, it did not it, it do sold well for okay them. in England, but apparently they were big in Italy at the Up time. Up to right. number 12. In, in Belgium. Yeah, yeah I in mean, Belgium. It's n- and it's surprisingly, not didn't get much a blockbuster album States. for England. Well, yeah. do you do you think it's like sort of like a bizarre world kind of punk thing, like where you know, like you had people like breaking outside of the mainstream or whatever, like gravitating toward punk and proto punk, and people gravitating outside the mainstream. I mean, I'm talking about in seventy one, seventy two. I've been thinking about that this week. Like, what is it about Prague that made it like an actual musical force? You know, and to some extent, commercial force there for a while. And I think it's like people wanting to get like the um, sort of higher society um, like experience of being into classical music, but they wanted to have their rock at the same time. And so this idea of like you know breaking stuff up into movements and talking about 
you know, all this bizarre forest poetry or whatever. I, mean, I guess I was drawing a, a similar parallel, but maybe to a lot of jazz, just in the way that they they compose things or don't compose things. Yeah. Uh, th- there's just a lot of noodling going on in this. A lot this. of noodling. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and to be fair, I mean, you know, the album was the dominant music uh, distribution method of the of the day, and so people, the audience was. This by, was by not album, a you mean LP like like vinyl. Yeah. Yeah. The yes the the long playing record mm-hmm. like so so the folks were. They were, you know, this is not a short story reading crowd. This is they're in for the novel, and so yeah. in this case, the novel is well. In that to evolve, format, you know, lends itself like the Lord to, of the Rings to yes. you know, doing like a comparative type of thing, like a novel. It sounds um, like it was written in the Shire. Yeah. Well, the Lord of the Rings is three novels, but that's that's sort of what it felt like listening to that uh, "Ready for Supper" or whatever. Here, supper. What's Supper's up ready. Supper? Shall, Supper's shall ready. we listen to a little piece of, of this? Sure, like, yeah. I, I don't think service that an entree. I mean, I, my opinion of this of, of Supper's ready. This is the twenty-three minute song that basically makes up the entire second half of the of the uh, LP, uh, second side of the LP. Um, they're like as a whole. Yeah, it's just it's a cluster, and it's just confusing. It's very confusing. Like I, I just found little bits and pieces out of certain sections of this that I could pick out and think, man, that was that was really good. And that'd be cool if they made that into a whole song and just like you know three and a half minutes of that, and then moved on to the next thing. Sure, sure. Well, let's um, let's just take a little bit of a sample from the second uh, section of of this movement uh, number two. Movement number two. Uh, titled uh, The Guaranteed Eternal Sanctuary Man. I played uh, what? Just that was about a minute and a half yeah, for was, you. That was one of the parts that I enjoyed. Yeah, of that. All right, well, song. We we found a nugget there <laughs> in the middle of everything. Uh, that Mellotron, by the way, uh, they they picked up secondhand from King Crimson, uh, and it's well. Name, there you go. It's Shane's <laughs> favorite. Its, its name is Black Bitch because it was notorious for breaking down uh, in just all the wrong times. There's a there's a passage in a Zeppelin song, and I can't remember which one right now, but that kind of reminds me of that a little bit. And this record reminded me like like all the worst parts of Led Zeppelin. If it is all, all the worst parts if of Led Zeppelin. They only did that. <laughs> it's like yeah. where did Jimmy Page go? <laughs> yeah, he's up, he's the now the talk, talk about a band that sung often about uh, Lord of the Rings, like it's a Mordor. <laughs> I met a girl so fair. Uh, yes. Yeah, get your ringtones, everybody. So, um, one thing that I found kind of interesting about um, Foxtrot, and then basically the 
the supporting shows that they started doing for this was um, Genesis were known as kind of just this static band. They 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 were very intense in their playing, so they would all sit in chairs and stuff while they played. And and Gabriel would be the one person standing, but he was extremely shy, so he would tend to kind of stand in the shadows. Um, then uh, when when the when Foxtrot came out. Uh, let me. Um, I need to look up this guy's name. Uh, Paul Conroy uh, at Charisma Records thought it would be a great idea if somebody uh, dressed up in a red dress and a fox mask. Yeah. And got on stage while mm-hmm. they played the songs. Yeah. And Peter Gabriel said, "Well, that's a fantastic fucking idea, and I think it should be me because, you know, that would make me a, a, a star if you know if I did this." So. This is kind of what launched Peter Gabriel's whole um, performance art yeah. like, career. Yeah, I, I this think it launched cool. it. Well, and you can make the argument that up until that point, there was a certain amount of Peter Gabriel's art. Like, I think he always had these artistic tendencies, like obviously, but but you know his his big bold move coming into this record was shaving a, like a sand trap reverse divot in his head right. that became like one of the stupidest haircuts in rock history. What? Yeah, like, yeah no. Yeah, no, yeah, no I haven't seen like, Oh, my God, it's shit. amazing. Yeah. Wait, what was it? I haven't seen this. He looks like he should be oh, at I'll, home. I'll find you a like, picture of it. but um, Like a reverse widow's peak, I guess. Like kind that. of, except worse. Yeah. There it is. Yeah. There it is. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, but, I mean, it worked for them. This set them apart uh, from... I don't know, however many other prog rock bands were. How did Derek Trucks end up in that band? <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, like, all of a sudden, like, now I know that this this was actually, like, Spinal Tap was based on a true well, story. Well, I was going to uh, say, yeah, yeah, that whole, like, fox mask uh, stunt sounds like it should be right out of Spinal Tap. Oh, Club. no, dude. This entire album reminds me of Stonehenge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like dancing dwarves and well, well everything about. I it, mean, it's but. certain that uh, they got a lot of uh, a lot of those those influences, artistic from inspiration, this, this era of music. Yeah, um, but I mean, it it worked for them. They they doubled their their regular intake for gigs uh, once they started doing this stuff, and um, yeah. Well, and go. the impression that I got just from doing some of the reading was that it sounded like, you know, that. The Italians really fell in love with this record, and so when they toured, when they toured uh, Italy, they were seeing crowds the size that they weren't used to seeing before, and it kind of opened their eyes to making money on the road. So, all right, how are we doing? Are we to that point? Why don't we take a break? Okay, go to the intermission. Yeah, I think it's a it's intermission I'll, I'll just play. I'll play. Oh, the, okay. I'll play I the bumper music. You don't have to do good, it. But not all right. yeah. It's not Bobby as good. Not as good. Yeah. yeah. Here we go. It's Michael Winslow. Hey now. So, uh, welcome to the middle of the show. This is the part of the show where we take an abrupt departure from what we've been uh, haranguing uh, over the first uh, several minutes. We talked about something a little bit different. In this case, abrupt departure. We're going to talk a little bit. Uh, Shane made the suggestion uh, off mic that maybe it'd be fun to delve into some uh, 
There's, there's so many other areas of, of Genesis. I am going to choose one of those. I'm not going to choose one of the ones he probably thinks I'm going to choose. So um, we're going to take a turn. We're going to take a stroll down memory lane to um, Genesis eponymous uh, 1983 LP called Genesis uh, by definition. And hits uh, the eponymous. <laughs> and uh, yeah. And uh, and and the, uh, a single off that track or off that record called Mama. Listen to that track. You probably, probably figured out he's not talking about his mama. Oh no! Talking it's, about, about a little mama. I'm talking about a, a mama of the evening, so uh-huh. to speak. Yeah. And the the inspiration for the laugh in that track is uh is uh lifted from the Grandmaster Flash song, The Message. So all right. for real, yeah, yeah. So it's a it's a rap thing, like. It, like all the rhyme was making James Brown comments while I was playing, I was like, "Not, it's really not that far off from that." We'll see. There you go. Yeah, but it's a very '80s video. It's a very early MTV video. I like, don't know. Yeah, it's I mean, a this... very early '80s, but it's it was also like a horror movie. It, like, it was. It's it pretty was, dark. It was affecting. They're in like a um, abandoned warehouse or something, and well, it just looked like a, you know, a motel. Just slow, like, like a mo- motel or bordello, and like, it. Yeah. Cuba or it, something. In it, yeah. dude, I like that song a lot. It's a pretty yeah. good song. See, I, right around, I, around this time, very... Genesis was not that bad, which I, I probably wouldn't admit in front of everybody, but I guess I just did. Um, like Abacab, uh, they had a couple songs. For what that, what but... was the song? Like, uh, That's All, I think. Like, Yeah, um, it's called That's yeah, All. I, yeah. see, I, get the, I got the impression. That song is a fucking, uh, again, disturbing song. I got the impression, Shane, that maybe what you thought would be the best juxtaposition would be like trot out some Susudio shit. But I was like, no, I think like we should stupider like, as the decade went on. Well, no, sure. they, they got more pop as it went on. Well, it's certainly like more saccharine. Like there was no danger in, in some of those tracks. No. So like, off, like, off there there was danger in that track. Yeah, there's danger. Same, that was a great song. Off I'm glad same you played record, There was a song that I really liked that I went back and looked, uh, looked up. While that was playing, and I do generally love that, like that song. I won't say I love it, but I definitely like it. Um, but I remember it like this video was like kind of racist, and uh, but it was uh, like, this, this song, video? this video it's, that we just no, watched, illegal alien, illegal alien is from the same yeah. record. So I went back and looked at the lyrics, and like the lyrics are actually not bad. I don't remember um, this. It's song. talking about illegal how hard alien. it is to like be. An illegal alien. Like, I think the racist part of it was what that year he, did this album he come gets out? into 83? character. The video, it's the video where yeah. like Phil Collins dresses up as a well, Mexican and person. He sings and, it in character too. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a little. 
It's a, anyway, it's worth checking it's, out. At it's some at point, best but, campy. Yeah, but it's a catchy yeah. song. At best, I yeah. know what song you're talking about. Yeah. Now that I think about it, yeah, that's that's one you're you're not going to want on your resume when you die. Well, looking at the lyrics, um, doesn't like matter. Looking at it's, the lyrics, no, it's it's actually they're they're well put together, or whatever. But it's so overshadowed by the video. But well, anyway, I mean this I dug that. this was just so. Um, there was just there was nothing. I, I like I love this song. I, I remember I really like I remember lyrically. putting my Walkman yeah. on and jamming I've out. Never to this heard song. it before. I've never um, heard the song. In no my kidding. Life. Yeah, lyrically, like one of the things that I forgot that I I like about this era of certain certain Genesis songs that were like that really sort of were in the public consciousness at that time was like his like his singing is pretty spare. Like he like he's obviously. Uh, he feels comfortable sort of waiting out. He's measures. a great like, singer. That's his timing. That's his feel. It's not just his like, timing, too. He sings, like, and he's got the chops to do it. He's a really good singer, mm-hmm. and he, he really shows it off in that song. And you can hear it later. Um, like, the guy knows how to sing. And you're right. Like, like he does. He, he plays to the beat. because I think maybe because he's a drummer, like, he plays to the beat of the, of the drums, like in a, and that makes it a little more sparse. Like in, in in this period of time, this is the period of time where like like he was writing in the air tonight. I think. Taylor yeah, I was going to say this is a period of time where in the air tonight. That's all. This song, Mama, who which I've never heard before. Like very disturb. All three of those very disturbing like songs. Like, right. Well, and a lot, and at least a couple of the, of those that you just mentioned, like with that sort of, of can, canned. Like dangerous sounding drums, and not the, the, not can I can tell you how they made them. Those they okay, keep, like those are, that was that was how that it sounds canned. We're used to it now. Um, so there's there's a there's a thing called, like it's like um, it's gated reverb, and that actually was pretty much started through Phil Collins, and it was like it was an accident that made it sound really super compressed and really punchy, but he applied that. And it was from him, I think, in the air tonight. It, they started applying it to, um, to like tom drums, like the for those of you that don't oh, know sure. drum kits, right. like the, the 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 big smashy drums. Uh, and, <laughs> that was really erudite. Yeah, I know. Shane's, Shane's and, moving his arms. Yeah, too. I know. I'm like showing you guys how you play drums. Well, so. No, it sounds a little like what Prince was doing. Um, That's all gated pr- reverb. Like yeah. all of the drums in the '80s, that all came out of Phil Collins. Initially. Well, and it, it's worth mentioning too about that song in particular. It's also very like '80s synthy, but like, not I in a corny way. Not that. in a corny way, dude. Like, I, like, I, we'll talk. Well, whatever. It, that like, contributes to the drama, which is not always the case with synthesizers. But you and I both picked out a couple of notes and chords in there yeah. that were still very Mike Rutherford and Tony Banks. Very, yeah. There was, at, at some point, there was like a suspended chord. It was like, oh my God, it sounds like the, the transition chord in Tonight, Tonight, Tonight. Like, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Anyway, but, so but that good was... good song. Disturbing song. Also that. Yeah, former... Like everybody um... forgets about... They, when they think about Phil Collins, like from the 80s, they think, Sue, Sue, Studio, but they don't think about like and this fucking like, like you're my wife and I'm gonna beat you in the head like kind of songs. Oh like, yeah, or kill you and throw you in a lake songs. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> he may yeah, have been a little a, overexposed at some point. This one, uh, uh, you know, love letter to the red light district. So there's fantastic. That. Well, that was a good one, Kevin. I, I, that was a really good one. I will actually listen to that song again. All right, kids, let's get back into it. 
So years after the fact, after Peter Gabriel left uh, the band, and we are we're back to talking about the Genesis record uh, Foxtrot. If you're keeping score at home, uh, I don't even know how that would work, but if you are, you can. Uh, Make Peter hash. Gabriel, this, uh, it's interesting to me. Peter Gabriel and Genesis reunited, you reunited only once, and it was on October twenty second, nineteen eighty two, at the National Bowl in Milton Keynes, uh, Buckinghamshire. England for Gabriel Peter Gabriel put on the WAMAD festival the world of music arts and dance Mm -hmm. Um, he was backed by Genesis's touring band which had a couple of different members in it and uh, anyway I didn't realize that uh, and of course it's not on the record we're talking about tonight just a weird little sidebar I didn't realize that Salisbury Hill was about him leaving the band I didn't know that it was but I did want to bring up that Peter Gabriel got a lot better after he, like, yeah, this worked yeah. out for everybody. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you were correct. It did. <laughs> it really did. Anyway, um, but I also did want to talk about uh, movement one and four, specifically in uh, um, I'm having supper or supper's ready. Yeah. Or somebody bring me some supper. Ding dong, supper bell. Yeah. Supper's on. I like, I like that movement, movement four is called How Dare I Be So Beautiful because – I often feel that way myself. What was that that uh, commercial in the eighties where like a really hot chick is like, don't, don't hate, hate me because, because I'm beautiful. beautiful. Like, that, I kind of hate because that, I'm that an was asshole. the chick that was. In, I hate you for saying she was that. a weird <laughs> science. I can't remember. Like oh Kelly yeah. LeBrock. Yeah, Kelly she, LeBrock. she was briefly married to Stephen. Uh, what's his nuts? That's Seagal, the guy built like a relief yeah, pitcher. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But Kevin got it immediately. Oh yeah, yeah, Seagal, that dude, that. Fucking guy, the guy with all the three-word movie titles. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Rest anyway, in pieces. He's a, <laughs> yeah, he's a he's just a cook, everybody. Anyway, um, yeah, this yeah we're 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 back to talking about Foxtrot. And first of all, before we go any further, let me just say again, um, thanks, Mark. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. I, I yeah, you're welcome. I will say this, like in. This setting tonight, as we have listened to a couple of tracks, um, I have I have been less ambivalent <laughs> toward this record in this room than I was when I was listening to it on my own. And I don't know if it's just maybe there's just better sound in here. So maybe less I ambivalent. Just have, I have the time now. <laughs> like I don't know what it is. Are you saying less ambivalent? You like it more, or no? Well, I don't. I, I dislike it less. Like oh, fair enough. Yeah. I just anyway. remember. Uh, Telling somebody at work, like, man, I gotta go fucking listen to this thing, and uh, I already listened to a little bit of it at that point, and I, I pretty much decided I wasn't gonna be all about it. But anyway, I was, he was like, "Oh, what's your podcast about?" So I kind of gave him like, you know, the elevator pitch or whatever, and I was like, "But it's actually like as much fun to talk about a record that I can't stand as it is, you know, something that I, you know, just want to gush about for an hour." So, yeah, well, I mean, it's easy. We've talked about this ad nauseum on this show a thousand times that like. It's harder. Sometimes it's harder when we all agree, but uh, when we all agree that a record is meandering and old and bad, like, and in this case, I don't know if we agree that it's, no, it's bad, it's, but it's yeah, just it's just it's meandering and old. And I, bad. I will say this: I don't, I don't think it's necessarily aged great. It's not but, capital B bad, but it's all three things you said. Yeah, it's, it's like if a three-year-old like had musical talent and could write a record because they're on the same thing for you know just a little bit, and then all of a sudden it's like, hey, shiny bike. I have I have a great appreciation for this album. I'm not going to say that I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And like I, I would have thought, like when when I picked it, I would have thought that it, it's one of those. It's a very polarizing type of album. Like you're going to find people that either think that this is the the one of the greatest things of... that Jen has put out, and or you're going to find kind of the consensus that we have in this room where it's it's meandering and it's kind of a pile. Well, I, I will say that I, I remember the one other positive thing I was going to say about it is um, they were ambitious. Very. Like, they, they just like threw it out there and like, you know, here's what the I fuck just, we're doing. Yeah. I get what you're saying. I get this, this album, Mark, gets to a... It gets to a place that I've never... It makes me feel something I've never felt before on this show, which is... I felt extreme love and extreme hatred. I felt extreme ambivalence, but I've never confusion. I've never felt confusion like this before. <laughs> I'm so confused. Is by it, a, it is it a record? I don't. I can't doing? like it or dislike it. It's almost like if like my cat like came up with a language and was talking that language to me, and I'd be like, gross. I don't like kind of fascinated, but. Right. Yeah. You know, innocence, not the music wise, but like trying to figure out what the song titles are. Yeah, I'll, sure. Right. The way that I feel, that's how I kind of feel about this record. That's right. a great way to put it. Years ago. Years ago. So like years so you're this, this so already you're like in Tolkien right now, like years ago. <laughs> years ago when well dragons ruled the land. This is such it's a stupid story and I won't I won't tell all of it, but I'll just give you the weird context that I'm feeling right now. Years ago. I used to work for uh, work for a company that made a, a pretty well known uh, app or web product, and years ago I was at like a recruiting thing, and there was a guy who came up to the like the co-founder of this company who happened to be in town for this thing, and he was dressed like in a like a full length like like neo jacket like the like the Keanu Reeves character for the Matrix, and he had written his own. Uh, code like he had his own programming language and he was just pitching it to the guy who co-founded this already successful existing website and that was his pitch was like you should use my cockamamie language that's kind of what i feel like this record is like sometimes it's like <laughs> some crazy guy who just wandered in out of the cold <laughs> and won't type down well you never know man that could have been like the next like dominant language you know the founders, like Larry and Sergey, like pitched Google to like all the other major web companies at the time. They all turned them down. And they're like, I guess we'll just start our own thing. Well, and, and it's so, uh-huh. I, don't, I don't think it would be. Yeah. I don't think it would be fair to to portray this as having fallen on deaf ears, though. In 1972, this was like I mean, we've read some reviews from back then, but I mean this this definitely uh, inspired a lot of of follow up music. Sure, Anderson, Bruford, Wakeman, and Howe, well, that's, and that's King what Crimson, I guess, from, which yes. might have been the precursor to this, actually. Um, yeah, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. Um, that, those are, that's a lot of, that's a lot of contemporaries. You know what is fascinating to me, by the way? Can we just – I'm looking – like beyond you, Mark. At the uh, at the every every movement has their own like things, and there's like the little sub, it, like parenthetical titles of the songs. Yeah. Can we just read what the parenthetical titles are for each movement on this last song, or I guess the ones it's, that yeah, it's okay, really so, just the last okay, two so movements. The, okay, so it's um, movement six, apocalypse and nine eight, parenthetically. Co-starring the delicious talents of Gabble Ratchet. Is it R- Ratchet or Rache? 
Riche, I suppose. Cause no, they're, they're in England. I was going to say they're England, so yeah. I was going to make yeah. a joke with that. Shit, it is. Well, that is a reference to the Hounds of Hell, okay. Shane, Sounds, uh, which are usually portrayed as geese. Gavel Ratchet? Yes. Yeah. I lo- okay, so movement seven, as sure as eggs is eggs, in parentheses, aching men's feet. Oh, uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, all right. You're correct. That was the that, – I read that and I, and I think about – we have a, a friend of the show – uh, Mr. Mike Stevens, who occasionally will drop me a line, likes to likes to post uh, things to Twitter that say uh, the random headline generator is broken. Like that's what that feels like. I don't know. Uh, like, as sure as X is aching men's feet. Sure. Well, why don't we um, why don't we go ahead and play uh, uh, that uh, apocalypse, apocalypse in nine eight? Let's play a little snip from that. Um, which Shane, you've already kind of mentioned that the drums on this. Uh, weren't your bag but no, just, um, it's just fascinating to me like I've, I, I've, I can't I, I so love it, it makes me feel it's like be I'm hard to drum in a 9-8 time signature sure, I just, love alternate makes, time signatures and I love the way that they I do too but, it, but this gets a little bit like it gets a little it makes me feel like I'm getting off of a plane without like you know popping my ears kind sure of like you know oh what no. disoriented well let's see if uh, listeners at home can feel the same way Program that uh, was was handed out when Genesis would perform this uh, live, uh, in in uh, Peter Gabriel's words on that that uh, cut we just heard. Uh, At one whistle, the lovers become seeds in the soil, where they recognize other seeds to be people from the world in which they had originated. While they wait for spring, they are returned to their old world to see apocalypse of Saint John in full progress. The seven trumpeteers cause a sensation. The fox keeps throwing sixes, and Pythagoras, a Greek extra, is deliriously happy as he manages to put exactly the right amount of milk and honey on his cornflakes. Oh, my fucking God. <laughs> <laughs> There's just nothing to like about that. Right? No, no. Are you kidding me? The, the, well, the I mean, right amount of shit, honey and whatever on his cornflakes? Like, yeah, that's to like. But prior oh, to that, yeah. <sighs> Seriously. So then he talked about cereal because then you woke up and you're t- it's time to get breakfast. Oh, there you go. That, that could be it. Yeah, like, man, that was a really fucking weird dream. Like, and then you immediately forget it. What the hell? What the hell? That's kind of like – I, I think that, that would probably – like if, if I were like the quote on like a movie poster that was about this record, you know, my quote would be like, what the hell? Shane Bartell. <laughs> 
Yeah. The fuck? <laughs> Ryan Newsom. Get a picture of me with it. Well, I think we can I think we could cut it there. I think uh put that one to bed. Yeah. yeah Thanks, so good. Thanks. I want to hear a lot of like keyboard noodling that's uh, apocalypse ninety eight. Yeah. If you look I, I feel like if you're into prog rock or predisposed to be into prog rock, it's not an offensive record by any stretch of the imagination. It's very confusing for one that doesn't have any inclination to listen. It you know it, it, but if you are predisposed to like stuff like this, you probably will like this. You know, here's the difference, and I and I brought this up briefly when I when I uh, mentioned this last week, this picking this album. I I had a brother who was five years older. I still do have a brother that was five years older than me. Yeah, this uh, is it'd be weird if you were f- like. For the rest of your life, I thought you were going to say just five years old. Dating on him, Benjamin <laughs> no. Button thing. But, but I guess the the point is is that this is this is the music, not necessarily just this. You know, there was King Crimson, there was ELP, but this is the music that's coming out of my brother's door when I'm when I'm starting to get into music. So did it smell like a reefer in there? No, it did not. Actually. Were you uh, were you living in uh, the, the Switzerland at that time? No, I was not living in Switzerland at the time. Um, I guess the point is, is that I think that generationally, I think we all kind of missed this. You know, the the. Oh, I, I don't know if I missed it, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think most right generationally we did. But however, there are things from other generations that we didn't miss, and I think you know, for whatever reason, that might be like a four four backbeat. This conversation for another time, but rock and roll, jazz. The Beatles, whatever. There's still like of stuff a, that yeah. There's a group. Like the Beatles had just broken up. The, it's a, more in the ass, not in the head. And this is in the head a little bit more than in the. You understand what I'm saying? I hear you. The it's not. But yeah, right. it's not. It, you know, it's not. I'm not saying like one thing or the other. I just think like, you know, it's. I think that's maybe why people are more into certain kinds of classical music more than like weird stuff that's playing with time signatures and all over the place and stuff like that. Like there is definitely I like an hook. audience I for like that. Hooks and I, there aren't any on this record. Like that's fine. <laughs> there aren't any. That's yeah. true. Yeah. But but there's an audience for the, for this kind of music. This isn't bad. This uh, no, you're not a bad person if you like it. I just don't want to hang out with you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, who's cleaning up tonight? Ziggers. Uh, right. Ryan. Yeah. So this week, uh, current affair, new song. What have you? I uh, was just exposed to this a couple weeks ago on Saturday Night Live. Uh, it's a young artist named Troy Savon uh, with a song called The Good Side. I got the good side of things, left you with both of the rings. My fingers danced and swayed in the breeze, the change in the wind took you down to your knees. I got the good side of you Sent it out into the blue The people danced to the sound of your heart The world sang along to it falling apart But I sympathize And I recognize But baby I apologize but I got the good side, the good side of things. So, 
not surprised to hear all the chatter around the room. Um, Mark's all like, a little bit of Johnny Marr there, and Shane's like, no, it's a Smith thing, and, and specifically, it's please, please, please. Yeah, it's please, please, please. Yeah, <clears throat> it's please, please, please meets Into the Dark. No, 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 but there's for cutie. Yeah. Uh, no, but it's great. I mean, it's, it's fantastic. Great. It's beautiful. <laughs> By the way, when you guys are watching that, we watched the <clears throat> SNL clip of this, and I assume that Mark will link it when we publish all this. But did you guys notice that the the guy in the percussion in the back? Had a little bit of a Ringo Starr thing going on. I really expected him to go, peace and love. Peace <laughs> and love. And your octopus is gone. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, no, very, uh, very uh, lilting uh, track, if you would. I love, yeah, I no, liked it's it. Great. I liked it the I first time well I heard it. I liked it more this time that I heard it. There's, a little, there's even more than that. There's Heaven Knows I'm Miserable Now a little bit in there, like toward the end of it, like her piano stuff. It's mm-hmm. a smith, smith, smith. No, he's obviously a fan. I, to me, it was it was Please, Please, Please meets Into the Dark by Death Cab. Yeah, um, no, I don't, but I mean, all wrong three with of them, no, none of that. that. No, but it's good, too. I mean, he's got his own thing going on, too. Yeah, I wouldn't is, call it derivative, but he's definitely got influences. It's it, Yeah, like, you know, everybody said, Johnny Mars quoted it, but he wasn't the first person that did. Like, you know, like everybody steals, you know, like... Mm-hmm. Music is um, collaborative. Well, so it happens like just once or twice per season. I watch every episode of Saturday Night Live, and I give each musical act in each song like thirty seconds. To thirty. Se- I was gonna say to thirty seconds to win me more over. than a minute. And man. yeah, I TiVo things. So like, I give them, I give them thirty seconds. If they got me within thirty seconds, when the first song this dude played, I was like, eh. Yeah, you know? it was pretty. Eh. Yeah, and like most of the time, the the acts they have on these days, like I've never heard of. And they're playing kind of... So, wait. Oh, my God, Dad. Never heard of them. Well, I know, but they play kind of synthy pop stuff or whatever. And the first one was kind of like that. And then I got into this fully preparing to just be bored to tears. And I was not. Uh, I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, good song. Um, I looked him up, and apparently he's wildly popular. Uh, Again, with the old guy thing. But whatever. Like, good on him. May he sally forth and have a prosperous career. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to see you. I'm happy to – you know, it makes me so happy to to have you be so – what word am I looking for here? Like benevolent. That's right. I'm just yeah. looking out for the kids. The kids. You know, I've been reading a lot of Dan Savage lately. He says, as the kids say, and I'm like – you know, when people say as the kids say, you're never going to sound more old or annoying as well, he he knows that. He's like 52. Yeah, but he d- Anyway, this is a conversation for a different show. Uh speaking of a different show, you have next week, Shane? Yes. What you got for us? Porter said 3. Porter said 3. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's kind of I'm kind of surprised we have never gotten around to covering Porter said. That's before. exactly what I thought today when I was thinking about it. Yeah, yeah, no, fine work, sir. Like we haven't even covered it yet. I'm already happy. Yeah. Well, and, you know, a little maudlin. <laughs> there is a little bit of maudlin with with Porter said. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Cool. All right. Well, I guess until next week, I'm Kevin. I'm Ryan. I'm Shane. I'm Mark. This is somebody likes it. You don't know what...